Welcome to Season 2 of Your Daily Chocolate, where you'll continue to get funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspiring people. You made this podcast one of the top 25% most shared podcasts globally and top 25% most followed. Nice to know that good news is appreciated, and Patty's committed to delivering the antidote to all that negativity. Like chocolate, this podcast is meant to make you feel good, and it's good for you. Enjoy. I am joined today by Chris Romulo. He is a retired pro Muay Thai champion. And before you say, what in the world is Muay Thai, you will soon find out. He's also a former gym owner, author, and speaker. And now, as a youth empowerment specialist, he shares his inspiring journey of reinvention after the pandemic. He focuses on empowering young people to embrace their champion spirit through his Champ Up philosophy. Whether you're a child or have a child or a child at heart, you're going to learn from Chris. Chris, thank you so much for joining me on your Daily Chocolate. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, thank you for having me down, Addy. I'm honored and I, I'm excited to share what I can yeah, share. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me first start by, before we kind of go into your background, we're going to be talking about Muay Thai. Did I say it right? Yes, that was good. That was great. Is it martial arts? Is it boxing? Is it a combination? Tell me what that is. That's great. You, you hit it on the head. It's definitely a combination. I would say it's a martial art the main martial art of Thailand and it's boxing because it like, if you want to take it to a, a competitive level, you compete in boxing ring. Okay. And you wear boxing gloves. So it's also known as kickboxing. So it's not just a martial art. It's the, I would say it's the oldest form of kickboxing in okay. the martial arts world. Okay. So you have competitions just like you would in boxing. It's, not so much as in martial arts where there's a discipline to it. It's a fight. Right. Well, I mean, there, there's definitely a discipline to it. There are codes that you want to follow as a, a Muay Thai boxer, just like martial arts. So I wouldn't say it's just fighting because there is definitely a, a cultural and a spiritual aspect mm. to Muay Thai. As for instance, uh, in Muay Thai boxing, uh, before every bout, there is a ritual that takes place. It's called the Y Crew and the Ram Moy. And those are uh, traditional dances that boxers do before each bout. And the dance is to represent or to pay respects to your, to your teachers or your instructors and your camp and your training partners, but also to pay respects to your opponent. And to show that you're here, you're there in mutual competition or combat, and it's not, there's no ill will going into this bout, even though, yes, part of winning is opposing your will. Interesting. Okay. I had no idea. So let's talk about how you got into this. You were a kid. I, I think you're a Filipino, right? Yes. Yes. In New York, kind of a tough childhood. How do you even, uh, I mean, Muay Thai became an escape for you, but how, how were you introduced to it? Well, the, I would say the first way I was introduced to it was actually through the movies, right? I actually, Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, I don't remember how long ago it was, but there was this martial artist named Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. great. He did this movie actually called Kickboxer. And what I saw in that movie was he went, he actually went to Thailand in the movie on Claude. I don't remember the name of the character, but he went with his brother to Thailand because his brother was fighting in a world championship kickboxing match. His brother was an American kickboxer. So they went to Thailand to go challenge themselves against some of the greatest kickboxers there are, which again are in Thailand. But his brother had no clue what Thai boxing or Muay Thai was about. And throughout the movie, I'm not going to go into the whole movie, but throughout the movie, they would show clips being at Muay Thai, local Muay Thai gyms in Thailand. I was just, I was in awe. And I was like, what is that? At that time, the internet wasn't around, so you couldn't really do too much research other than looking through the martial arts magazines. That exposed my awareness to Muay Thai. The way I jumped into Muay Thai was actually, yeah, mentioned that I was a young kid. I was, I mean, I wasn't a kid. I was in my 20s already, but I had already seven or eight years of self-destructing. I was on a path that was leading me down a direction that could have led me either to jail or dead. And I was making a lot of decisions that weren't best for me. And at around 20 or 21 years old, I got myself into a street fight that that I could have avoided. But uh, my ego and my confusion and my, just the pain that I was feeling in my life, it, I felt like that was the, the way for me to prove myself in the right. streets of Queens. And in that street fight, I got beat up pretty bad. I had my face smashed and my nose broken. And I was just like, okay, I really questioned my existence. I had ex- existential crisis after that fight. Luckily, luckily, this person didn't beat me to death. And and actually, there was somebody there to step in and actually kind of save me and stop the fight. I was just like, okay, is this what I really want in my life? Is this where I want to keep heading down? Is this what's going to help me, you know, thrive in life? And I just made the decision like, no, this is what I want for my future. And I decided to look at, funny enough, I, I started looking through martial arts magazines to try to get back into martial arts because from the age of eight through about 14 years old, I was involved in martial arts. Okay. But I, I gave it up to become this, this knucklehead on the streets because I thought, because I thought that was the only way to ease the pain that I was feeling at that time in my life. Yeah. And when I was cruising through this martial arts magazine, I came across this full-page ad, and right at the top of the full-page ad, it said, "Become unbeatable." And there I was you go. Like, I was just like, <laughs> "That's talking right to me." Uh-huh. So basically, it was a full-page ad by a Navy SEAL hand-to-hand combat instructor, a former Navy SEAL, who put together a three-tape VHS series of all these martial arts. And I was like, okay, I'm going to order this VHS series. I think it was like probably a hundred bucks or something at yeah. the time, which is probably a lot of money back That's in the 90s. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Back in the nineties. Yeah. And I had it shipped to my mom's house. I was still living with my mother and watching these videos, something really appealed to me. It was Thai boxing. He called it Thai boxing where his training partner was holding some pads. They were throwing kicks, punches, knees, and elbows. 
And I was like, wow, that looks a lot like what I saw in the movies a while back. And I was like, I want to do that. I want, that's what I want to do. And I recruited my brother and made, I found these pads at, at a store in Chinatown, cruised through some martial arts stores in Chinatown and happened to find these pads. And I made my brother hold these pads for me. And <laughs> that, that was the start of my Muay Thai journey. Right. And then did you find a gym or did you find a coach? What, how, how did you become, I mean, you, we'll talk about where you took this, but there had to be something in there that, that got you ready. So, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely found somebody because training with my brother was great. We learned a lot. We taught each other a lot, but I just knew I needed more. Yeah. And then one day walking through Manhattan, Bowery, Manhattan, which is like lower Manhattan, like 5th or 6th Street. I just happened to be walking by this storefront. Something in the corner of my eye made me look in, and I looked into the storefront. It was kind of dim and dark. I saw this heavy bag. I, I knew what a heavy bag was. It, it didn't look like a normal bag because it was really tall. And I said, wow, what kind of heavy bag is that? So I kept walking because I was kind of scared, if anything, because I've never been in like a real boxing gym. I figured it was a boxing gym. I was like, kept walking. And I, I got to turn back around. So I walked back. And then as I walked back, I, I glanced at the storefront and there happened to be like a makeshift ring sitting in the way, way back. Like the ropes were hanging off these ring posts. So it wasn't even set up yet. And then I was like, wow, this is definitely like a fighter's gym, like a boxing yeah. gym. And I walked by again because I was like, I, I was scared. Literally, I right. was scared. I was like, I'm not that, I'm not that tough. But then I was like, you know what? I got to get, I got to see what this is about. So on my third attempt, I, I walked in and I met the manager and he told me that there was going to be a Muay Thai instructor coming in from Thailand in a couple of weeks. And I, I was like, all right, I'll be here. And yeah. that, that started my official training with my mentor and my Muay Thai instructor who was actually ex-fighter from Thailand who had about 80 bouts under his own belt. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you take this seriously. You mm -hmm. start competing. You have 42 bouts in the ring. I mean, that's incredible. 17 knockout victories, six championship belts. What's the secret to that success? I truly believe that it was the hardship that I faced in my life that I needed an outlet for my anger, my confusion, my frustration as a kid. And I would say it was all heart. I found something that I loved. I talk yeah. about this with the kids a lot, these presentations that I do, that, that in life, all it takes is heart. That's my motto for life. And heart is not just this never give up attitude. I believe heart is having passion for your purpose. So I, the secret is just finding something that you love, that you're willing to dedicate your life to and know that there's going to be plenty of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of mistakes or there's going to be a lot of obstacles that are going to try to hold you back from what you want. But when you love it enough, you're willing to endure those. So I would say the secret is the love. If yeah. you don't have the love for it, you'll find a way to not- Not do it. Yeah, to not yeah. For sure. So, but there had to be times when you lost. I mean, and I hate to bring that up, but how, how do you get past that? I mean, let's say you lose three in a row. Do you, I mean, does your mind tell you, 
Chris, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you should try something else. Somebody's always going to be better than you. I mean, what goes through your head that makes you get back in that ring and get that next victory? So the first time I got knocked out was in 2006. First and only time I got knocked out. Okay. Not only did I get knocked out in front of my family and friends and my my fans, because it, it happened in New York City. Oh. Yeah, I, I was I was injured. I was injured in that knockout. But what I'll always go back to is a, a thought that I had as a kid, right? The vision of what I wanted for my life. Because when I was eight years old, I realized that my dad was giving up on the family. I realized that early on. And I'm, I'm blessed to have seen that or came to that realization as an eight-year-old. But I'll never forget what I said to myself. I said, I'm going to find a way to make a name for the Romulo family. I I didn't know how, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I was going to make sure that I was going to do something bigger than what I was doing or what I was seeing my my dad do in his life. Yeah. So I would say that thought has been with me since eight years old. And when I went down in that fight and I was knocked out and lost 10 seconds of my life, that that thought was one of the first things that came to mind. Like, okay, this isn't a challenge or an obstacle or a setback. I'm on a mission, right? I'm on a mission to prove something to myself that I can come from very humble beginnings that doesn't define me and that I can create the life that I want. Yeah, I love that. And so now you're actually working with kids. You mentioned that. Tell me about your message and your program that you take to the schools and to the youth. So, yeah. So in 2017, I actually wrote a memoir about a lot of my trials and tribulations. The book is called Champions Uprising. This was at the time when I still owned and operated my gym with my wife. And during that time, even though we were so, we were busy trying to keep a gym operating and things like that. I was blessed enough to give to be given an opportunity to go talk to a high school about just uh, like give a motivational talk. And I took uh, the book Champions Uprising and what I wrote in that book and I turned it into a presentation. And it was kind of just like a one here and there thing back when I owned the gym. But now since I closed the gym and embodying this message of like we're all champions. I believe we're all, we all have a champion spirit in us, but sometimes we forget about it. We have amnesia. It's the seven dictators that hold us down. What that, are those? So the seven, the seven dictators I call self-doubt, fear, disappointment, hardship, confusion, ego, and self-talk. These are the internal dictators that hold us down and, and make us forget that we are champions, that we can bounce back no matter what, that we can pick ourselves back up and get back in, in the fight of life. That is the message that I bring to these uh, kids, middle school kids that I've talked to over the past, during the last school year, I went to about 55 schools. And wow. Present, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. And I presented this message that you know, life is a fight, but, but the real fight is not against the world around us, it's against those seven dictators. And once you can be aware of those, uh, of who the real fight is against, now we're, we can 
better prepare and train ourselves for the challenges that we're going to face. Because the challenges are always going to show up. The setbacks, the hardships are always going to come up, but it's on us to say, okay, how am I going to respond to these challenges that come up in yeah, and it's it's not just that those dictators hold you down. They also can just derail you. Yeah. I mean, even as an adult, one of the, the self-doubt comes in and boom, you are off those rails and can really kind of spiral. And I think it's great that you're teaching kids that early because it's a lifelong practice, I think, to keep all of those in check. Well, that is actually, that's interesting you mentioned it because that is one of the main things that I mentioned to these kids. You don't ever, even till this day, if I'm standing in front of a group of kids or middle schoolers, even till this day, I still battle these dictators. And I, I let them know that when I closed my gym down back in 2020 during the, the height of pandemic, I absolutely was being hit from all angles by these dictators, self-doubt, fear, disappointment, the hardship, yeah. like that. those were all things that I was truly facing on the inside. And we don't ever get rid of them, but we want to know how to manage them when they do show their faces. So yeah, I be- believe that is the mission as an adult, as a youth speaker to help these kids become aware that right. life is full of challenges, but we want to just, we want to be stronger than life. Yeah. Are you still coaching um, Muay Thai or, or teaching it to the kids? Yeah, absolutely. I actually teach uh, three times a week. Um, I have a kid's class and then I have a teen's class. And then I have also some adults that show up to the class, but mainly the kids and the teens that show up three times a week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely still spreading the art and, and the passion. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. And I know, I mean, you mentioned working with adults, but you've actually also worked with law enforcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell uh, me about that. So when we had our gym, we lived in a pretty blue, a blue collar, blue collar town. It was a lot of fire department and police officers. So we would have a bunch of New York City police officers training. Us. It got to the point where we're like, okay, let's start, let's start really focusing on a specific group of or a specific program for police officers where it's not we weren't teaching fighting but we were helping them get in 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 fight shape i guess so to speak Mm. because again being a police officer in new york city it's very physically not only mentally demanding and emotionally demanding physically demanding so you want to be able to have all three components as sharp as possible. So we put together this fitness program where we would do uh, a boot camp training okay. out on the boardwalk because we weren't we were in a beach town. We have them working out on the boardwalk or running in the sand. Or sometimes we would also work some boxing training in because boxing is a cardiovascular activity for yeah. yeah I've I was never a police officer, but just knowing and watching and seeing how police officers have to physically subdue somebody takes right. a lot of strength and cardiovascular endurance so uh, yeah yeah that was a great time and we also work with uh veterans we work with the wounded warrior project same concept we were showing them basic uh muay thai techniques and and showing them how they could eat differently 
as as veterans, knowing that they need to be able to prolong their physical attributes, even though they're not active active uh, soldiers anymore. But you, right. you want to keep you want to keep that sense of quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. So those are great times working with the wounded warriors. I love it. Both of my brothers are former law enforcement officers. So oh. I understand that. And, and I thank you for working with them. Uh, I just think that's, uh, they need all the help that they, they can get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I I've, was never a police officer, but just knowing what they go through and seeing what they go, go through on a regular, yeah. hearing from them, hearing stories, like it's such, uh, yeah, it, if anything, it's more mentally and emotionally demanding yeah. than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what's next for you? What are you working so, on? So I'm actually, I'm working on a kid's book. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to I wanna gear it towards middle schoolers, but specifically maybe like the eighth grader, the one that's ready to go into high school. And then every any other school that would obviously uh, be open to picking up the book, but it, it's going to be based around concept of Champions Uprising, where... We all face challenges. The character is going to face challenges that bring self-doubt, fear, the disappointments. All those life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then learning that through through training or building yourself physically and mentally that you can uh, develop what I call champion core ethics. And these champion core ethics are what help you battle these dictators. I call it the champ code. So it's going to be, the kid's book is going to be based on the champ code. When's that supposed to come out? Um, so from what I'm learning, I'm going through a book writing course. It's going to take a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning patience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That Yes. Well, that's funny that you say it because patience is one of the core ethics of being a champion, right? Patience, knowing that life is a marathon. And not a sprint. So, yeah. Yes, I am absolutely learning a lot more about patience. I hate that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I want it now. Um, <laughs> so hard. Especially in this day and age of just instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Oh my gosh. You want to see the results. And I'm a victim of it too. I want to see the results right now. Want to get it done. And the information is out there, but. Just because the information is out there doesn't mean success happens over. Right, right. Well, yeah. you've learned that throughout your life, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Nothing happens over overnight. I will make sure that we put your uh, website and information to reach you in our show notes. Um, but before I let you go, I always end with some rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Oh, I believe <laughs> I am. You don't need to train for this. Oh, thanks. All right. Is there a leader that you admire? Yes. And he's been my leader since I was a kid, Bruce Lee. Okay. Even though I've never met him and he passed away before I was born, he was the first strong father figure I had in my life. Just reading about him, understanding, not just because he was a physical specimen and he was obviously a movie maker and his martial arts was just unbelievable, but his philosophy, yeah. his philosophy on life is what really resonated as a kid. I love it. Okay, which win meant the most to you? 
funny because I'm putting together a presentation where I talk about the story of of my first professional fight outside of New York City, where I went to go prove myself against the West Coast of, of the country, of this country. And even though I didn't win that fight, I sent the message because at the time, West Coast was saying that the East Coast didn't have worthy fighters. And I was the first East Coast fighter to go out to the West and do my best to prove them wrong. And I, even though I lost that fight, I knew I won the crowd and I knew from trash talk that was coming from the West Coast that and after that night in the desert in Nevada, that trash talk died forever. So I know I, I did what I had to do. That's really interesting that a loss was really a win for you. Oh, yeah. It, at the time, it was really hard to stomach that. Yeah. Those dictators came in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Was, yeah, the ego and the self-talk. Yeah. Right? The first thing that was crushed was my ego. I was like, oh, I lost the fight. Right. But again, knowing that even when the, the, the decision was announced that night, the crowd was actually booing. Yeah. Because they felt like I won the fight, but I don't want to get too much into the politics <laughs> of, of judging. But I know. We I want know. a recount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. I've accepted the loss, but, but the, yeah. the overall. Yeah. The person that started the talk on the West Coast never, never opened his mouth again. Perfect. So with all the students you've worked with, is there something that you have learned from them? Oh, absolutely. There was one school I went to over the uh, past school year. And I think it was a, I think he was a fifth grader or a sixth grader. I'm not exactly sure. But I always ask after I introduce each dictator, how many of you, you know, know who, for instance, self-doubt. I asked how many of you have ever experienced self-doubt and what is your definition of self-doubt? And this fifth or sixth grader, raised his hands and went over with the microphone. And he just said in this nice, in a calm way that it's when you don't trust yourself. And I, I was like, wow, that for a fifth or sixth grader, that is pretty, oh, I mean, talk about being aware. Yeah. Boiled it down. Boiled it yeah. down. And I was just like, wow, that is absolutely what it means to not trust yourself. And from that moment, I was like, okay. How can I, for myself, how can I build more trust in myself going forward in life? So that, I learned that from a fifth or a sixth grade. Perfect. Okay. Who or what makes you laugh? My family. My yeah. family is, yeah, we, especially during pan where we were just, it was just me, my wife and my son and not a lot of contact with others. We were able to find a way to find the humor in a lot of things. And that has been a continuous process because I do. I love being home with my family and I love going out and teaching and, and, and speaking to, to the youth. But I, I love being home with my family because it's my bliss. It's yeah. definitely my bliss. Yeah. Oh, and I love that. It, <laughs> what a great answer. Okay. You. And because this is called your daily chocolate, what's your favorite chocolate? Oh, any chocolate with peanut, unfortunately, with peanut butter mixed in. I know a lot of chocolate lovers might not 
might not vibe with that, but I am a chocolate and peanut butter guy. So milk chocolate and peanut butter. You're talking my language. Yeah. All right. Nice. Okay. I didn't, I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I didn't offend anybody because no. I know a lot of, I know a lot of chocolate connoisseurs are very just like, no, it's just chocolate. No, no. Chocolate and peanut butter is such a great combo. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, we'll, we'll put uh, in the show notes how people can reach you and find out more about you and um, keep up the great work. I mean, I, I think what you're doing is just so inspiring. And I think the kids are um, so lucky to be able to learn from you. Thank you, Patty. I hope that you write down those seven dictators that Chris talked about. Self-doubt, fear, disappointment, hardship, confusion, negative self-talk, and inflated egos. And when any one of those rears its ugly head, check yourself. This is something you can control. And if you see it coming up in your kids, help them through it as well. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody. And be sure to come back next week. I have got Craig Colby, who is actually a TV executive, but he's written a book called All About Caps. And yes, we're talking about baseball caps, football caps, ball caps. And before you say, what? Just know that there's a story that goes with every cap that he's got. Some of them might make you cry. Some of them will make you laugh. All of them might spark some memories of your own. So come back next week. Until then, enjoy. Enjoy.